Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I keep the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about this uh, issue from Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. One of my listeners sent me a sermon that was preached by a fellow gospel preacher. And I'm not going to call his name. I'm not going to tell you where he is uh, because I haven't figured out exactly what, what level of involvement I need to be in this. Uh, for one, I'm all the way up here in Canada. I'm kind of isolated from everything. It's not like that I can affect real change. And the other is, I'm not so sure if exposing this person publicly is, would do any good because I have been a part of exposing people publicly uh, and it not do any good. One uh, eldership and congregation that, that I was a part of exposing uh, decided not to hire a preacher because some of the members said, if you hire this preacher, we're going to go somewhere else. And uh, the reason given is because the preacher was black. And, of course, that was, uh, that was in Marion, Arkansas, was the Marion Church of Christ. And nothing was done about it. Nothing was ever said that I know of. And this congregation is still in full fellowship with all the rights and privileges uh, given to a congregation that's in full fellowship. Yet they have, as far as I know, uh, never repented of that sin never issued a public statement uh, apologizing and all that good stuff. Anyway, so I don't know if it's worth the headache. I will tell you this. This is the second sermon that someone has sent me from this gospel preacher. Uh, the first one, uh, this person uh, preached a sermon during COVID that basically said, if you took the COVID vaccine, that you were going to hell and likened you taking the COVID vaccine in your ignorance to Paul the Apostle, or Paul before he was an apostle, killing Christians in ignorance because he thought he was doing the right thing. I don't know. Um, what, what do you do? I mean, it needs to be handled local and legal. And what I mean by legal, I'm not talking about bringing in the law as far as the law of the land, but I'm talking about every person that knows about this uh, gospel preacher that teaches this false doctrine, uh, this very dangerous, pernicious false doctrine, might I add, uh, he needs to be called out on it, and he doesn't need to enjoy the perks and privileges of being in fellowship with Christ. Um, but I, again, I'm all the way up here in, in the Maritimes, so the only thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to put out the truth on the topic. But I will say this. Um, Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, about people like this. And let me go, it's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor whereof they affirm. And I, I don't know if this man who preached this message, I don't know what's worse or what's better. Is it? Is it mitigated a little bit if he's just ignorant and he doesn't understand what he is affirming by the statements he makes? 
or is it worse or better? Is it mitigated if he is just absolutely full bore aware of the farthest extent or of, of his teaching carried out to its farthest extent and is okay with it? And here's what he's teaching, and he might not realize he's teaching this. That if and I'm gonna I'm gonna everything that I'm gonna talk about is gonna be from a male perspective because I'm a man. It's just the 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 vernacular, the language it rolls off my tongue easier that way. Obviously, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage law, according to scripture, applies both to males and females, applies to both husbands and wives. But I'm gonna speak from a male perspective. So what this man is teaching, and he may or may not realize it is if if your wife cheats on you, commits fornication, which incidentally, fornication has got to be bodily contact. It can't be, you know, we're not talking about an addiction to pornography. We're not talking about an emotional affair. We're not talking about a work husband or work wife. Um, we're talking about sexual conduct, touching. You know, you gotta you got to be... I mean, it's got to be sexual. It's got to be pornea is something you would do with a harlot. It's sometimes translated in, in other biblical, in other texts besides the Bible as harlotry. We, we well know what this word means. It's sexual intercourse. If you don't have sexual intercourse, then you haven't committed fornication. But what this person is affirming by what they're saying, whether they realize it or not, is that unless you catch your spouse in the act, you have no recourse that you have to stay married if you catch your if you catch your spouse in the act um then that means it's an ongoing fornication and the way he explains this is he cites guy in woods um guy in woods well let me let me go to this i took this screenshot of this uh slide that was used. I'm going to try to blow it up where I can see it. Whoever divorces his wife except for continual sexual immorality. All right. So he, he quotes the verse here, Matthew 19, 9, and I say unto you, whosoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Now, that's already, it's in the New King James or some other modern version. I like the King James because it actually uses the word fornication. And then the literal meaning, whosoever divorces his wife except for continued sexual immorality, the act of adultery does not automatically free a person from their spouse. God grants freedom to, the, to those whose spouse refuses to repent. Well... <laughs> That, that's just more teaching that's in, than, than than what's in the verse. First off, um, this this preacher says, and Guy in Woods is an expert in the Greek, and he knows the Greek, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to explain it if my life depended on it or some such. I'm like, then why are you trying to explain it if you can't explain your position or the position of the person you're quoting? Then you don't need to explain it because you haven't tested it well enough. Now look, I'm not taking away anything from Guy in Woods. The man's dead. He can't defend himself. But if what he's teaching is what you say he's teaching, then he's just flat out wrong. And, and, and I don't have to have 
a, a, a doctorate, a PhD in Greek to know this. It, it's literally just how grammar works. So there is aorist tense, there's present active indicative, and that those two tenses imply they, they denote continual action. But that's for verbs. That, that, that's for actions. The, well, let's, let's go to Matthew 19.9 and read this. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication. There's no action here except the spouse who's, being, who's putting away. Okay? The, in other words, the exception, and I'm going to pull this up on my e-sword. The exception here is um, A. Oh, hold on. Ah. Tony, a me epi pornea, a me epi pornea, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this right, but I, I understand the meanings of these words. the The a is a conditional participle or conjunction. The uh, me is the negative participle, and the um, epi. Is a preposition. It's a it's a superimposition, meaning except it be for fornication. There is and incidentally, the word fornication is a noun, and it is dative. It's an indirect object. Well, there, there's nothing here that implies continual action or punctiliar action. It's just fornication. Period. Except it be for fornication. The noun. There's no action involved in that phrase. So whosoever shall put away his wife, except when you introduce porn, uh, porn, pornea, fornication into the, into the mix, then you have a right to marry another. But once you but, but, but if, unless there's fornication inserted in the mix, and you might well say, well, Jesus... Is this ongoing fornication or is this one-and-done fornication? If Jesus is only allowed to answer grammatically using the words he just said, this might be one of the times where he says, Have you not read what I said except it be for fornication? Yeah, Barry, Barry O'Dell says, I thought him saying that was odd, too. If you don't know it, then don't talk about it. Absolutely. And again, I'm not trying to gatekeep scholarly endeavors. I'm not trying to gatekeep scholarliness. I don't think you have to hold a PhD in the Greek language to be able to get a lexicon and look at the grammar. Because we, grammar is ubiquitous. The rules of grammar are ubiquitous. They apply to every language throughout every time. And I, I think that points to the miraculous nature of language. Go back to whenever Adam uh, had the breath of life breathed into him, and him and God started talking with one another. It's language. It was, it was divinely given. It has rules. It's ordered, just like God is ordered. So when I look at this exception, there, there's no... There's nothing in it that demands me say, well, it's a one and done, or it's a continual action. It, it's just when you interject fornication 
into the formula, then the marriage, divorce, and remarriage law changes. The, the law from God is whosoever put away, puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery, period. Well, the idea is once you introduce fornication into the mix, that changes things. It, it doesn't matter if it's one, it doesn't matter if it's one and done or continual action. Now, what this person is saying, uh, what he's affirming rather by what he's saying, and he may realize it or not, is that if it means literally continued sexual immorality, and I don't like the word sexual immorality, I'm going to use fornication, unless it means except for if it does mean continual fornication, then that means you would have to catch your wife either in the act, if you want to take the most literal interpretation of that phrase, it's continued fornication, because let's face it, once you've stopped the sexual act, you are no longer fornicating, so then the marriage, divorce, and remarriage clause wouldn't apply to you whether or not you repented. Because you can only commit fornication while you're having sex with someone. And once you, are, once you have stopped having sex with someone, you are no longer continually committing fornication. You have committed fornication, and you have not repented of it. That, that even when you do sexual immorality, well, what if, what if your husband has an addiction to pornography? Can you, that's sexually immoral. Can you put him away and marry another if he doesn't repent? If, if, he, if, he, if he's continually doing it, well, how do, you, how do you gauge continual action? He only looks at pornography four times a year. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I think the number should be zero, don't you? But if he looks at, if, if, let's say, January, February, March, January, June, and August, and, and December, so four, four times a year. So he looks at pornography in January. Well, what if you don't find out about it until February? That's not continual. He's no longer committing sexual immorality because he's no longer looking at pornography until he starts to look at pornography again. What we have here is somebody who has grossly overapplied this verse. And listen, I get it. it. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage is a sticky, icky subject. It's a hot topic. Uh, one of the points that was made is uh, Jesus isn't saying that once your spouse commits fornication that you can say, oh, well, got him. I don't longer have to be married to him. And nobody thinks Jesus is I don't know who would think Jesus is saying that. And I don't, I don't think that if you find out your spouse has committed fornication, that you must divorce them. But I do think if y'all come together and you try to work it out, that that erases that. Because how does God forgive? He, he forgets. He, he acts as if it never happened. Where so if, if you know, I'm, I'm, my, my wife and I, we got married in 1999. So let's say in the year 2000, uh, I fornicated. In the year 2001, I confess. And then she forgives me, and I forgive her because you know it takes two. You know, there's when when a, when a relationship devolves to where one spouse, one part of the relationship is so egregious, egregious, egregiously. I don't sound right. Anyway, doesn't matter. 
if I repent and she forgives me in 2021, then in, or in, in 2021, yeah, in 2022, she can't come to me and say, listen, I want to divorce you. Well, why? Well, because you committed fornication. Well, yeah, I committed fornication in, nine, in, in 2000. And we reconciled in 2001. So it's been 20 years? That's not how that works. Um, Barry O'Dell says, divorce is an option, not a necessity when fornication has been committed. Absolutely. And the, the, Jesus tells why this marriage, divorce, and remarriage law was given. It was added because of the hardness of men's hearts. So I don't I don't know how much I mean really this is this is so absurd it's so stupid on its face that I I feel like if I talk very much longer it's just going to sound like I'm trying to over explain it when the fact of the matter is and I again I don't know where this quote from Guy N. Woods came from it's not it's not cited but again I don't care what Guy N. Woods says I don't need Guy N. Woods to help me understand that this verse here, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth also or doth commit adultery. I don't I don't need Guy in Woods. I don't need a PhD in Greek. In fact, I don't even need to know Greek. The English is enough for me to know that adding the word continued to modify fornication is adding to God's word. It's just not there. Nowhere. And, 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 it, and it bothers me because the person that's teaching this is teaching rank error. It may not be damnable error, but it may well cause someone to be damned, so maybe maybe that means he's a heretic. And and you know what Paul says about heretic after the first and second admonition? Rebuke and and leave them alone. They're, they're subverted in themselves. You know what? So I'm not accused of being a heretic. Let me make sure that I'm reading this right. Yeah, Titus 3.10, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, reject, not rebuke, reject knowing that this man subverted in himself. Look, the, the person that's, that's preaching this is a heretic by definition. And he's probably causing other people to be damned. So what do we do? How do we handle this? Because it's very public. And, it's, and, he's, and he's the preacher at a congregation that's very well respected in our brotherhood. And I'm I'm persona non grata. Um, I'm I, I will never be welcomed in the mainstream churches of Christ. Um, so I mean, it's not like I'm committing career suicide. I wonder if I just need to call his name and tell you how to get a hold of him. Of course, that would be doxing. I don't think I should tell you how to get a hold of him. But anyway, what do you do? How do you? I mean, how do you? How do you deal with this? Well, I suppose the way you deal with it is you take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine and continue in them and make sure that where you are, you preach the truth. 
that rejects the lies this man is preaching. Hello, Gene Bailey, Connie Barton, good afternoon. And Barry O'Dell says, I love studying Greek, but when translations are accurate, you don't need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, and, and, and it saddens me that the reason that I think that my brethren won't handle this is because the congregation where this man preaches is well-respected, and it's a congregation that people like to go and visit on a yearly basis. Anyway, maybe, just maybe, some of these people that have left the Church of Christ, who are our biggest detractors, maybe we need to start listening to them whenever they are so staunch and are staunchly opposed and so adamant that the Church of Christ is a denomination. Maybe maybe they speak truth on a lot of things. I know that I've recognized the denominational tendencies in the Church of Christ, and I've also recognized there are two entities, both of which are named the Church of Christ. One is the church that Jesus built, the one about which he spake, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the other, it's the Church of Christ denomination. And you better believe it is strong. That's it. And Barry O'Dell, you hear me say that on the Church of Christ, Church of Christ. I'm a Church of Christ preacher. I go to Church of Christ building, and I worship a Church of Christ songbooks. And we take Church of Christ communion bread. Yeah, and we have Church of Christ elders, Church of Christ deacons. Are you a Church of Christ preacher? If you're not a Church of Christ, you can't go to heaven because it's just the Church of Christ. Anyway, you better be a part of the church that Jesus built, and I would say you need to spell church with a lowercase c. You want to be like the Bible does it and stay away from all the politics in the church, and I'm not talking about Secular politics, I'm talking about the quote-unquote politic and the, well, I don't want to speak out against this false teacher because he has this lectureship that I like to go to. Or I don't want to speak about this false teacher because he's so well-respected and well-loved that when he comes and he talks about how the Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures and all that good stuff, you know, we, we just don't talk about that because he, he, he says so many other things. And he's really good for youth rallies. Maybe we need to maybe we need to bear down. Maybe we need to get this social justice malarkey out of the church, and let's let's get back to uh, meritocracy. Yeah, that's right. Don't offend. No, we don't want to offend. Well, remember, we don't need to violate that eleventh commandment. Thou shalt be nice. And I will say this before I close. I, I don't know what to do here. I, I'm not going to call this man's name. I, honestly, I need. I just want to be, I just kind of want to be left alone. I want to be left up to my work up here. It's a lot of work. It's good work, and we're succeeding. And I don't want anybody to come in. I don't want Satan to come in and mess with it. And Satan's going to try to mess with it. I don't need Satan to use the these preeminent pastors in the Church of Christ to come after me. And they've come after me before. Well, they didn't get me. And I stand in defiance and opposition to them. But 
that's not the fight that I want right now. So how do you deal with this? If you go, if I shared the link to this sermon and and people started going to this sermon and uh, offering a dissent, then the people that did that would be gaslit and they would say, you're the problem with the church of Christ and you're the reason why nobody wants to be a part of the church of Christ. Well, they, those people are just standing against false doctrine. If they don't say anything, this guy still gets a platform. He still is able to teach this false doctrine. He he's and he's still in fellowship with all the perks and privileges thereof of 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 the church in the United States. And you know what do you do? So here's the solution. This is what you need to do. Those of you that are hearing this, talk about this at your congregation and talk about the absurdity of it. And if somebody at your congregation says, well, I know who preached that, it doesn't matter what name it is. It doesn't make it right. It does not make it right. And you stand your ground and, and, and affect change in your own sphere of influence. That's, it's, it's always got to be done legal. That's handling it the way the Bible says to handle it. And it needs to be handled locally. So you stand against this false doctrine. Folks, that's all I've got here. God bless you. This has been Tony Berth Cogitations. This is a Friday. I will see you. Whoops. I got a little excited there. Banged my hand. I will see you Friday. Please consider uh, subscribing and following us on Facebook. That would help us out greatly. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for all the comments. And be the algorithm for us. Share, share, share. And uh, you'll help us grow, grow, grow. This has been Tony Berth Cogitations. We'll catch you on the flip side.